Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. On Friday, attorney Mark Pedroli filed a lawsuit against the city of St. Louis and the members of its airport advisory board. That group has been meeting for the past year and a half to weigh the privatization of St. Louis's airport. And as we've previously reported, much of its work has taken place behind closed doors. Beyond that, it has failed to open key records of its undertaking to the public. Pedroli's nonprofit group is called the Sunshine and Government Accountability Project. It alleges that the airport group's secrecy violates state law, and it's asking a judge to get involved. Joining me today to talk about it is attorney Mark Pedroli. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So you've got two major allegations in this case. One involves working group records, and the other involves meetings. Let's talk about open meetings first. What are you alleging here? So we're alleging that the city is closing, the city and the working group are closing meetings that should not be closed and that cannot be closed under the exceptions that they are listing. And they've been doing this for quite a long time. Um, In fact, there was a St. Louis Post-Dispatch editorial recently that showed for every five hours of closed meetings, there was only one hour of open meetings. Hmm. So it shows a significant majority of time that's spent on discussing the privatization of the city's biggest asset is being done behind closed doors. We want that to change. We want to open the meetings to the public and let them review what is going on. And yet, we're talking about a potential lease of an airport here. Isn't there an exception in the law that says if you're talking about a real estate lease, that's one of the times that you can go into a closed meeting? Well, they are, yes, there, there, there are general exceptions that can be used, but they're extremely limited and strictly construed under the law. Now, they are citing exception number two and exception number 12, which is for the sale and lease of real estate. Now, typically, this is usually utilized when a city or a municipality is buying real estate. Hmm. For example, let's take the case of the, uh, the library. When the library was buying property in Frontenac, they didn't want people to know the library was buying. That, that way, people would increase the cost. So there's a good reason in some circumstances to keep things quiet and not let the buyer or the, the, the seller of a piece of real estate to know who the buyer is. It's the opposite here. Mm-hmm. And there isn't a very good logical reason to prevent the people of the city of St. Louis and the region from knowing what's going on inside these closed meetings. Everybody knows the airport, they're attempting to lease the airport, that they're attempting to privatize a lot of its functions. So there's no secret. And, and, and what we want to know is what is the purpose of these closed meetings? Why do they want it closed? Why can't we inquire and, and, and play a role in who gets to bid on the project? That's one example. You write in this lawsuit, under information and belief, defendants are discussing business in closed meetings that does not directly relate to the specific reasons they've announced to justify the closed meeting. Are you getting that from sources inside the meeting? Well, I'm not going, I'm not going to get into the detail of that. I will say this. Under information and belief, we do believe that they are discussing things that are outside of the exceptions that they list, which is 2 and 12, sealed bids, and uh, the real estate issue. So we do think these are wide-ranging conversations that they're having behind closed doors. This is done quite typically, and it needs to end. But it's being done, it, it's, it happens with a lot of government-closed meetings. You'll, they'll announce a reason for one just so you can go into closed meetings, but then what ends up going on back there is a wide-ranging discussion 
of issues that should be public and that should be discussed in front of the public. And what kind of remedy would there be if you can make this case to a judge? Well, there's various types of remedies. I mean, one of the more important remedies is we want to open meetings on a prospective basis. Going forward, change the regime. Open the meetings, allow people to listen in and to watch what's going on in their government. But we're also looking for another remedy, which is nullification of prior decisions that were made in closed meetings that should have been an open meeting. So if the judge were to rule, for example, by looking at the transcripts of these closed meetings, that I'm right, and they were in fact having uh, discussions about things that should be open, then it would be up to the judge to nullify or make them go back and redo those steps again with the public being able to watch. You say transcripts of these closed meetings. Do we know, is there a verbatim transcript of what they're talking about at the point that we're all kicked out? That's a good question. I think there might be. I think there is at least minutes of the meetings, if not transcripts, full transcripts altogether. And if there's not, there needs to be. This is 2019, and all governments in the region need to be aware that it's easy to video or to audio tape their meetings um, instead of having someone just jot down what they think is important in the minutes of the meeting. So the second part of your lawsuit deals with open records. What kind of records are you trying to push for here? Well, we, we submitted a sunshine request for the RFQs um, and, and a few other things, but I'll, I'll, for the time being, I'll keep it simple. So the request for qualifications was the qualifications of the people who want to bid prospectively on, on the airport privatization project. So these are basically third-party documents. They, these are from these companies who, who want to be involved in this process. They're showing the city what their qualifications are, why they would be a good fit to bid, not to win the bid, but just to bid. So I think it's important that the people of St. Louis understand that when you whittle down who you allow to bid, that's a hugely important process. Mm -hmm. So why aren't we being allowed to weigh in on that? Why is this being done behind closed doors? So you sued to try to get these records. I believe that just happened on Friday. Have there been any developments since you uh, dropped this lawsuit on them? Actually, there has. So there's been one interesting development. I'd like to update your listeners. So... Three or four hours after we filed the lawsuit, I did get a letter from the city of St. Louis, an email that said that apparently they are changing their position somewhat on the RFQ. So instead of saying it's a closed record, now, and some of your readers or some of your listeners may know this, Tony Messenger submitted a very similar request for the RFQs. He posted on Twitter a letter that he received that said that the records are closed. So they they told Tony Messenger, look, these records are closed, you can't get them, period. In our case, after we filed the suit, they came back and they said, look, we're going to release these records, but they're going to be redacted. Hmm. Now, I don't have them yet, but at least they're changing their position a little bit. And I think what it really shows, I think, frankly, it's an admission that what they were doing before was, was illegal or incorrect. Yeah, that they seem to be saying, well, eventually we are going to give you something here, um, suggesting that they know they can't just close these entirely. Well, the fact that they changed their entire legal opinion on whether or not the RFQ documents were public or not public is a significant change. And I think it does, it it underlines uh, perhaps other changes to come with regard to meetings and everything else. Did they suggest how soon you might be getting these redacted records? 
I believe they said within the week. Wow. Well, we may have to get an update from you on that. I'm happy to do it. Now, we did get a question. One of our listeners um, is wondering, I know you represent, you have a plaintiff, that's um, Alan Hoffman. You also represent the Sunshine and Government Accountability Project. Our listeners wondering, who's paying the bills on a, a lawsuit like this where I can't imagine there's much you could profit from it on? Well, look, as, as far as funding goes, I have a plaintiff. His name is Alan Hoffman. He's been involved in this for a while. He was the man that objected at the meeting. Um, Alan and I, we, we have an agreement Part of that agreement is that I'm going to ask the courts, well, I'm go- I allege that the city knowingly and purposely violated the Sunshine Law. And one of the, one of the parts of the law, of the, of the Sunshine Law, says that if you win, if you win and you're proven correct in court, then the defendants have to pay your attorney's fees and costs. Mm-hmm. So we are asking for that. Um, Alan has, and I've asked him if I could say this on air or to anybody else, and he has agreed, he has agreed to pay some of the court costs and some of the expenses that we incur, and I've agreed to handle a lot of it on a pro bono basis. So that's where we're at right now. We, we don't have billionaires. We, we, don't, have, uh, we don't have sugar daddies. Um, m- maybe at some point we'll have a bake sale. <laughs> okay. Well, now we know where your funding has come on from this. So um, final question here. What do you hope is going to come out of this effort? It sounds like you're asking for some pretty big changes to the way they do business. Well, it, it is. I mean, it, it's a, it's a wide-ranging litigation. It doesn't just have to do with the documents. Um, it doesn't just have to do with, with the meetings themselves. But I think we need to look at this process uh, again from the beginning and say, what are we trying to accomplish here? What can be accomplished with the public weighing in? Why does it need to be secret? I mean, there are already so many issues and conflicts of interest with regard to the consultants and how they're being paid. Um, we know that the city is not paying the consultants. There have been something like 20 or $30 million paid um, by um, w- one of our local billionaires mm-hmm. to the consultants. Um, and the city is on the hook, apparently, to pay them back if the deal were to go through. Mm-hmm. But when you have a situation like that where you have private money pouring in to pay for the city privatizing one of its most valuable assets, it raises a lot of questions. And it raises the needle, quite frankly, where you need to have the most transparency as you can, particularly in a situation like this. Attorney Mark Pedroli of the Sunshine and Government Accountability Project, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. My pleasure. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.